All right. And uh, next we have to do uh, Jessica Hish's uh, intro. Yeah. What? So what I'm thinking is I'm, I'm looking at her about page now and it says Jessica's a letter illustrator and crazy cat lady known for her silly side projects and occasional foul mouth. So I'll probably probably just take something for that, mainly because this episode was, you know, it wasn't like our typical format. So we might as That's- well do something that isn't typical. That's right. Uh, actually, we, we named it, remember, uh, we named it the anomaly, um, I guess for two reasons, because Jessica herself uh, yeah. is an anomaly yeah. in the game. Um, she's she's just, a beast, yeah. Right, right. She's so creative and funny and just amazing and has just gotten basically featured in every publication you can imagine. But also the, the show itself, uh, the episode itself was an anomaly. Which uh, was, it was a, it's, yeah. uh, you know, when we were doing our research, I felt continuously more and more and more depressed. I was like, awesome. She talked to everyone else. She talked to everyone else. But, you know, the nature of the, the, the show, and you already know this, but, you know, titles are like Seinfeld-esque. The show itself is sort of Seinfeld-esque in a way. So I think the conversation really, I don't know, it worked out, I guess. I think it did. Yeah, no, it was great. It was excellent. So, uh, yeah, maybe we should go ahead and record this thing. All right, sounds good. All right, this is the start. definitely been excited for this for this interview this is a little secret that nobody really knows besides nick and my girlfriend and now you jessica and everybody else who hears this um i reached out to you and i was like okay there goes that email like you know we're not like we're not mark maron's podcast it's not anything big so i was like all right if she responds great if she doesn't that's fine you know whatever don't get like my panties in a bunch um, and then, like, I think, like, a week or two later, you're like, yo, I'm in. I was like, yes! <laughs> yeah, I, I can back that up. He was pretty pumped. Nice. <laughs> Not that I wasn't either, but he was, like, uh, uh, sort of geeking out, which is awesome. Next level. I think level it was time. just, like, I think <laughs> it was, like, level. yeah, I, like, forwarded the email, and the only thing I added to it was just the word boom, and it was just a shit ton of O's and, like, one period, and that was it. That's awesome. Um, it was, like, a pompous, pompous excitement. But, yeah, so we were talking about how you've done other interviews and they have sort of been run of the mill. Like you said, you don't want to talk off your FAQ. What was it? Um, you mentioned that you grew up in a small town, but I haven't found anything online that says anything further than you growing up in a small town in Pennsylvania. Um, I feel like, I feel like I have like occasionally gone on like funny, like rants about Hazleton, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. Like we, Hazleton, yeah. One of the things that, uh, is our, you know, a point of pride for me, but maybe not for the town, is that we've had a couple of Law & Order SVU episodes crafted after hometown scandals. <laughs> so, so like, so real, real crimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like kind of one of them was there were these, there were all these judges in Pennsylvania that were getting kickbacks for every kid they sent to juvie. And oh it, it went on for years and years and they finally got discovered. And then, so that's of course like the most evil bullshit you've ever heard. And, um, yeah. And so they ended up making a Law & Order episode about that one. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> I have a random question for you. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Were they getting kickbacks from the um, private correction facilities that were housing these um, 
juvenile delinquents, I guess. The kids yeah, that, that I think, were I think so, because I think the state was, um, the state gets paid by, you know, they pay the facilities based on like a headcount. And then, gotcha. so like, I guess they had some deal where if they like upped the, um, you know, the headcount of these facilities, then they would get a portion of the money that was meant to be there, like for the facility to take care of the kids or something, which is like extra that's awful. That's awful. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, it's some, I don't know. It's, it's like some the weird most fucked evil. up business It's like plan. the most evil thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's math, right? There's no, there's no um, emotion involved. It's like, oh, the more numbers, the more money. Okay. More people. So, what your town, I hope, wasn't like um, – it doesn't sound like it was an unsafe place. It sounds like this was just like one scandal that may have happened throughout time. Well, you know, it's not that it was an unsafe place. It, it now sort of is becoming a little bit of an unsafe place, which sucks. It's just like taking a little bit of a, of a downward turn in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, mm. So there's just like, a, like major heroin problems and stuff in the town that weren't – totally there before like we would always like know that there was some stuff going on but it was never like to the forefront and now it's like pretty bad but um but yeah when I was growing up there it was you know relatively safe and I did a lot of certainly a lot of like parking lot hanging out and whatnot that would have been not I wouldn't Mm -hmm. advise people to do now (laughs) it might 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 be um might be a case where uh, industry has probably slowed uh, dramatically. Yeah, there. yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a tough place to make a living, just because the main. I mean, it's like anthracite coal com- like country. So like once. Oh really? Coal, yeah. Once like coal stopped being a thing, and then it, it like a bunch of factories just sort of popped up, and so like basically the highest paid jobs in the area, unless you have like a really white collar job, are um, are factory jobs. So working like twelve oh. hour shifts and stuff like that. So mo- like a lot of. My friends growing up like had like a parent um, that would be working like the twelve hour like night shifts at these factories, um, you know, three days in a row, and then would have a day off three days in a row, then would have a day off kind of thing. Um, And then it was one of those things that like all the teenage boys like right when they would do that over the summer, like as their job would be to like work in like factories. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's crazy. I um, yeah, it's sad, really. Yeah, I. I mean, not that there's not that there's any like shame in like factory work. It just sucks when it. it, Well, what does it just sucks because like it's a hard living and like to make twelve bucks an hour and have that be like your maximum amount for like you know you know basically your whole life. It's not like there's huge upward mobility or anything. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. So I know. I never thought I'd hear anything talk about anthracite coal. I know one guy who owns a coal mine, and I'm trying to figure out where it is. It's in Pennsylvania somewhere, but that's so wild. Oh, I, that's crazy. It's crazy yeah. to own a coal um, mine. It's an Armag, A-R-M-A-G-H, Armag, Armag, something like that, Pennsylvania. I don't know how close it is to you. Um, how big was um, your town, Hazleton? I'm looking at it on a map, and there's well, like a box around it. But that it's like kind of much. a big town, but it's one of those places where like a huge um, geographical area was considered part of the town. You know, so when I was yep. in um, when I went to Catholic school when I was growing up, like I went to public school for the last bit of high school, and then went to Catholic school when I was younger. They um, or even the the public high school, you people would have to take the bus from like you know. 15, 20 miles away sometimes to come. So like, mm. like the general, like Hazleton area, I think had like 30,000 people. 
Um, gotcha. But it was a huge area that it covered. It wasn't just like the downtown and then all the smaller towns. You know, I think that was like the Hazleton area had that population. Yeah, I um, for one year I lived in a town called Dublin in Pennsylvania. Um, the town it looks like I'm, I'm like Google mapping it now just to see if it's near. It doesn't look like it. it's about an hour and a half drive. It's like uh, seventy miles away, but it's right near Do- Doylestown. But the town okay. of Dublin. The town of Dublin was one mile long and I was like in elementary school. My brother was like in middle school and all the kids would do would similar to like hanging out in parking lots. They hang out the Dairy Queen because that was the only thing around. Yeah. It was like a really weird, it was like an awkward sort of retirement community. I don't know. That was a, I've only been to Pennsylvania a few times and all of them have been like interesting um, experiences. Yeah. I really, I'm really happy that I had kind of this small town experience because it makes me feel kind of like more connected to more people because like, you know, now that I have been living in cities for the past few years, like I went to school in Philadelphia and then moved to Brooklyn and now I live in San Francisco. Um, it's definitely, it definitely makes me appreciate like every, you know, having everything at my fingertips versus like not having it before. And I also totally get why like kids get up to no good when they're younger, just cause they have nothing to do. You know, like when, oh, yeah. I, when we were growing up, um, you know, I, I was a, I wasn't like a terrible kid, but like when I was in junior high, I definitely got up to some mischief and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. stopped doing that um, later in high school. But, you know, there was just nothing, there's just nothing to do when you're in like a pretty rural town and like there's one movie theater, <laughs> you know, and huh. that's, you just yeah. basically like hang out at the mall, hang out at the Sheets parking lot, hang out at the Blockbuster parking lot, hang out at the Walmart <laughs> parking lot. <laughs> did did nice. any of you guys have cars? Well, yeah, I mean, we would get cars, but but the next town over is was like we used to go to like the better mall in Wilkes-Barre, and it was like thirty-five miles away. So it's yeah, so it's not like you went all the time, you know, because it was like forty minutes away to go to anything that wasn't your town. Um, Yeah, and people would go and hang out at each other's houses and stuff like that, but you know, Mm -hmm. that was usually not the most uh, wholesome. Thing to do, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, you said that you were. How long were you in Catholic school for? Mo- it sounds like most of your education was there, and then brief time in public school. Yeah, yeah. So I was in. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten until tenth grade. So like most of the wow. time was oh, wow. Catholic school. Yeah. Um, which was fine. You know, I uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it was good in some ways, but terrible in other ways. You know, um, I can probably recite the Hail Mary in like three different languages. Um, but that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a nice, that's a nice secret skill. Well, I never knew what I was saying. Like, yeah, I knew what I was saying cause I knew what the Hail Mary said, but like when you learn how to speak the Hail, it's like say the Hail Mary in French, you, uh, you don't know what you're, you're not translating it as you're going. You're just learning the sounds and parroting them. But Gotcha. Yep. And I only remember that recently because I went to I went to um, Europe. I just got back from a Europe trip. I did two conferences. One was in Dusseldorf and one was in um, Italy. But in the middle, Russ and I went to um, Paris just on vacation. And like it was super cool to go because I had only been there like one time before and only for a couple of days. And I wanted to kind of like feel like I was being a local or whatever. But I am like the worst person ever at French. And I never, like, I never really took it. I took a quarter of it, like, in eighth grade or something. 
But from that quarter, I remember like the beginning of the Hail Mary and I was in the shower and I couldn't not like say it to myself. <laughs> That was funny. Did you keep? Did you keep like just saying the beginning to everyone? Like, yeah, uh, I was like, yes, vu, salut, know how to say. You know, Ru- Russ. That language Russ, is so we hard. Have to go. Yeah, Russ. We have to go to a church. I have to say this. We are. We're normal people. Don't act like you don't fit in. I'm like, this is the only way I can communicate. <laughs> it's like that um, episode of like Dexter's Laboratory when all he can say is. Uh, is what's it? The oh god, it's blank. I'm blanking on it right now. You guys have seen this show, right? Or are you? Oh here? yeah, I grew there. up on Dexter's Lab. Where he knows omelette du fromage, and that's all that he says like for the entire episode. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but that show was. I, I saw a commercial for it recently on on uh, a Cartoon Network, and I like tried to stay up and wait for it, but I like an old, I'm 25. I act like an old man. I went to bed at like 10. I missed it. Yeah. Oh man, how was? How was Italy? Where'd you go? Well, I was there for this conference called Kerning, which was really fun. Um, mm. It was actually just a great conference. For one thing, it was a one-day conference, which I always really like because I feel like you get you get all the energy in that first day. And then the second day, like to maintain the energy and maintain your intention span when you are like just super pumped mm-hmm. and want to go back to your office and work is really tough. So That's I, a good point. So I kind of feel like single track, like if you're talking about a conference that's like an inspiration-y conference, like something where people are getting on stage and like getting you pumped up to do work, one day single track is kind of the best way to do it. So that's what this was. So it was really great. And I ended up um, flying in on like a Wednesday and then three of my friends were also coming in just to go to the conference. Two of them live in Europe um, and just wanted, like wanted to go to the conference and one of them lives in the US and wanted to go. So we all arrived at the airport in Bologna and then immediately drove to this awesome, awesome wood type uh, studio. So they do like letterpress and wood type. And I was just, we spent like five hours just like gawking and going through all their drawers and it was just completely amazing. Um, That's fucking cool. It was so cool. And it, it was one of those things where I feel like sometimes because I go to so many conferences and because I just spend so much time around like true nerds in like every industry, I get not like tired of it, but I feel like I get like I get a little bit numb to all the like geek out conversation. You know what I mean? Because it's just mm-hmm. like all around me all the time. Becomes and the norm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It becomes like my normal thing instead of becoming this like really special, awesome, inspirational thing or this like really intense, you know, heated debate that only happens every now and then. I feel like my whole life is like super full of like nerds talking about nerd stuff. And yeah. um your brain's probably always on too, so it's like you're just gonna. <laughs> my whole, it, my it's, whole life it's is going a to mentally. Debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing out. is, too, you, you kind of you need some time away, and that's like, like this was the longest vacation I have ever taken. Um, you know, I've I've never taken a vacation that was more. I don't think I've taken a two week vacation in years and years. Like maybe since like high school or college or something, mm-hmm. and I wow. haven't taken a three week vacation ever. Just not ever. So how, how was that? Were you able to turn it off? I was. You know, I was able to nice. turn it off. I read a lot. Like I I, um, I, I noticed I, that actually. I noticed you, you killed three books, correct? Yeah. yeah I saw that on your I, Twitter feed. That's crazy. You know, I have to read a lot for book cover designs, but a lot of times, you know, whenever you're doing something because you have to, it's very different than when you're doing something because you want to. And sometimes yeah. want to and have to intersect in this really nice way. But... Um, you know, I haven't done any like pleasure reading in a long, like actually finished a book pleasure reading in a long time. 
And right. so I picked like three books to read and got through all of them. And they were all super like fictiony, story driven, fun reads. And uh, it was so it you was finished great. you finished the Twilight series is what you're telling. Me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tried to read the Twilight series and I love some like stupid candy nonsense and I could not get through them. They were so awful. <laughs> I I've, read- I've heard. I've, sorry. I've heard that they're actually really poorly written. too. They are. It's like this, it's like. It's almost like looking into the brain of a teenage girl because it's like the same five paragraphs just copy pasted for like 800 pages. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh my God, like I love him. Oh my God, I'll never have him. Oh my God, I'm so deep. You know, like there's, it's just over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, like rolling my eyes. And I couldn't even get through the first like 100 pages or something of the first Twilight book. And I was like, I'm done, thrown in the towel, fine with the movies, That's- whatever. Were those, so here's a random question. I saw somewhere that you said, you know, working tediously on one long project months on end is sort of not your, not your thing. Um, is that the same with books? Can you, can you sit with a book for, I don't know, like a month and, and just like bang it out? You know, like if you were reading one book over the course of a month, you're never really reading it very intensely. Because even like yeah, even like point. pretty thick books, you know, according to my Kindle, you know, <laughs> are not that uh, that lengthy in terms of how long it takes you to read them, you know. So if you have like a Saturday when you're reading for like four or five hours, you're like accomplishing a giant portion of a book. So yeah, um, that's true. So well, it really uh, it's, it's only if you're reading like you know twelve hundred page books that it would take you like a significant amount of time or things that are you know like I tend to not read really like technical or super fluffy flowery literature books. Um, like, like something that like reading Proust or something like that would be something that would take me a while just because maintaining my attention when there's not a lot of plot going on is hard. Um, I'm kind of a lover of, of plot. Like I, I like a book where a lot of stuff goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The same way. Yeah. I need to, I'm in a technical book kick at the moment. And now I sort of understand why they're taking me a while to finish. Yeah, they're uh, tough, so maybe, man. They're tough to stick with. I'm, I'm uh, making my way through. Still, I'm, I'm close, guys. I'm close uh, to finishing um, Atlas Shrugged. Oh yeah, and that's yeah, and that's that's a dense monster. And so when you were talking about how you could get through it, I don't know, much quicker than I guess than I have. I mean, it's taken me like months and months on end. But you're right. I'm never really. It's hard for me to I guess sit and read for four to five hours, but. Yeah, I mean, that's also, like, reading a book that is, like, written in a language that's difficult to process. Like, sometimes if you read older books where the actual, like, way that the characters speak and the way that the author writes, it's just not how we're used to reading. Like, imagine, like, someone, like, sitting down with Chaucer when that was around and then being like, oh, Mm -hmm. man, this is just totally pulp, you know? And for us, we're like, oh, it's so hard. How do we read it, you know? We're just not used to, we're just not used to talking like that. So you're, you're so right. Yeah. So the books that I, I mean, I read um, the circle, which I did the cover for, but at the time Dave only gave me the like 50 pages to read. Um, so I had never gotten to read the entire book and it had been on my like to do list and I finally got to read it. 
And then nice. um, I read another book, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore, which... Oh, uh, I want to read that. It's so good. And, like, I know Robin. Like, I've met him a few times through friends over here in San Francisco. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to have to read my friend Robin's book at some point. And then I was like, holy shit, this book is so fun. <laughs> so I'm really happy. It was a perfect what vacation is, read. It was really fun. What is this book about? I Because I, I've never heard of it. But it's, it sounds it's it like sounds a, interesting. It's a recent book. Um, it's kind of an adventure story. It's like a, a like an adventure book for adults, um, like mm-hmm. an adventure mystery. And it involves uh, like a sort of secret literary cult kind of thing. And it's 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 neat. It's just super That's fun. That's so cool. It's a good story. His, his, um, his app, The Fish Essay, I think it was. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's like a touch. Uh, it's an app, and basically you tap it, and that's when the next page appears or, like, the next piece of the essay. It's so cool. Um, we could probably put it in the show notes if you guys haven't seen it, but it's really good. Yeah, I've we'll have to that. find that. Yeah. This uh, this book looks cool. The Fuck, I'm trying to think of the last book that I read. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm the boring guy. I haven't read any good books since college. The last really moving Really, in, in book that I really enjoyed, it was called "Life Is So Good," which is still pretty freaking sappy. But it's um, it's a book about this dude named George Dawson. He was born in like 1897, so his grandmother was like technically still a slave, and he didn't learn to read until he was like like 98. And then some dude helped him write this book at 100, and it's a just a book about his life. That's awesome. Um, the, yeah. yeah, it's wild. So like throughout the book, you realize that the dude. You know, he he saw a lot of really crazy stuff because he was born in the South. But somehow, with no car, transportation, working every day of his life, he was able to go to Mexico all throughout the U.S. And then somehow he was in Canada, too, at some point in his life. Shit's wild. Like, the fact that he was able to do that with, like, no car. He couldn't read the whole time. Um, and he couldn't really write either. It, I, I mean, that's I couldn't do it. That shit's crazy. Yeah. But, I mean – Taking time to do that kind of stuff is like really invigorating and it was just really funny when I was reading uh, Penumbra's too because in the book like this like typeface plays a big role which is really nerdy and funny and I was like kind of like like not rolling my eyes at it but at first I was like kind of worried. I was like oh I hope this is like not too nerdy and that this mm-hmm. still can like be something that or, or like I hope that my nerd powers don't make me hate this book. Like, I hope that he doesn't say something that I'm like, oh, that's wrong, you know. <laughs> um, but no, it was really good. It ended up making me really excited about making typefaces by the end of it, which is so weird for, like, this random book to do. So Yeah. Have you um, have you read the other books you've done work for, work with? Usually. Or? I mean, you, usually what ends up happening is that if I can, I read the whole book, especially for the classics and stuff like that. Like, I'll try and read as much of it as I can. But worst case scenario, I try to read like at least a third of the books because by then you get a really good sense of like the setting and like the tone and what some of the characters are like. Like you need to get to the point where you really are like visualizing the characters before I think you can work on a cover. You know, if you don't feel like the personality of everybody involved, it's really difficult to like make something work for the book, especially something abstract. You know, when people do really narrative covers that are just basically like, a thing from the plot on the cover it's one thing but when you're doing something that's like all decorative or all um lettering based it's a lot harder to kind of get it right 
That's interesting. Johnny Hallman's dad, he was a guest on season one. His dad d- does cover art thought, as well. I thought you were saying his dad was a guest on season one. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Abby, honestly, it's his dad. Like, I've seen him do, I've seen some videos of his talks. He actually did a talk at Creative Moorings about his dad. And his dad makes uh, model airplanes out of like, like by hand. And then there's no electric motor. It's all like just really wound up rubber bands that make the propeller like move the the model it's fucking wild i'm sure his dad's cool but in that same talk i think he mentioned that um like him and his sister i believe hopefully i'm not misquoting any of the books that his dad did you there and there's like ambiguous just like silhouettes of people it's probably like an ambiguous silhouette of him or his sister because his dad would just like take pictures and then like recreate it for this cover because he was just like well yeah you need need, you need subject matter and you can't rip off other people's photos so that makes sense yeah, it's wild. When um, when you're doing these books, what's the, you know, I'm curious. I'm a slow reader, so for me it would take forever. So is timing ever a factor? I'm a slow reader too, and that's when it kind of ends up being that I can't read the entire book. You know, like sometimes mm. if they're like, okay, great, we'll see sketches in a week, and then the final week from that, and I'm just like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> me doing both sketches <laughs> and reading the book in a week is not not the most doable. Um so, so those are the instances where I'm just like, please send me like the most, um, you know, detailed report of the book that you can offer. And then I will, of course, read as much as I can, but I need something more to go on because the timeline's tight. That's, that's gotta be pretty challenging. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's only challenging because I feel like writing and reading are kind of the same for me where I really need to be in the mood to do it. You know, like I can't, yeah, like when it comes to like wanting to write or wanting to read, I can't just like randomly sit down and go, I'm going to read today. You know, like I have to be like in the right mood. I can't read at night because I immediately pass out. Like, you know, oh, like yeah. the second that I crack open a book at night, I'm like asleep. Like, so if I ever want to fall asleep and I'm having problems, I just like start reading and fall asleep within like five minutes. Yep. Yeah. Same. That's actually why I read at night. So I could go to bed early. <laughs> It's smart. I mean, there's all these studies now saying that if you look at screens before bed, it like fucks you up for life and all this kind of stuff. So, oh for my sure. God. I try, dude, I, I've been doing that lately and it's all because of the app Secret. I don't know why, but I am addicted to just the random shit people say. And I think it's oh, because there's know, no man. filter. Yeah. I, 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 to, I never got on that. there. Nah. I, it's it's just to like, well, well, my thing too is like, if I was on there, it would just all be like people shitting on tech companies out here in San Francisco because half my friends yeah. that would be on it. That that would be it. And like, maybe if you're yeah. not here, you like would be really interested in all the random like tech gossip, but I'm like completely not interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting now because they've opened it to Android. And I, I know this because people on Secret bitch about it. They opened it to and they've opened it to Android and they've opened it to other countries. So it sounds like and I think they're like mixing the feeds now. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I like about the app um, is that you don't really get criticism. Like if if you said something that you wouldn't normally say in public, no one knows it's you. So you sort of can have less of a filter. So that's nice. The other thing is that you can say whatever the fuck you want and just try to see how people react to it. Um, so it's almost like. You know, for me, I don't take it seriously. I just have fun with it. So I might write like some ridiculous stuff, like what happened if a carrot and a and a cucumber fought, um, and then you know people will chime in or whatever. And it's just like it can be some random social experiment if you let it. Some people though just the thing is it, though it's like it's actually kind of easy for people to piece stuff together when you say stuff. 
Because yeah. like you can well, just social cues, right? Because your friends to, know yeah, how you talk. Yeah, I mean, they know how text. you talk. Yep. Um, and also like over time, if if you like just start seeing the same kind of things, you can kind of piece together like who it probably was. Especially mm-hmm. because you know we all have a problem. Like I, I know that I'm like this too, where I like will say something and then I'll kind of accidentally mention something similar on another on Facebook or whatever, and then all of a sudden like everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know. So I feel like whoever, yeah. if you post something on secret and it's really something juicy or really something that is significant to you that week, it would be really hard for you not to share it also on like Twitter or something in just a different way. Like maybe you wouldn't share it in like the most like obvious way on Twitter, but you share it very, very obviously on secret. And then everybody is like, oh, I know who that is and I know what that's about. <laughs> I Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this at work the other day because I got, and I might try to do this with secret just to like screw around. But when someone sends me a really obvious email at work, all I want to do is respond to them in Spanish just to fuck with them. So I think now I'm just going to start typing things in secret in Spanish. Like just use like a quick Google Translate and just see how people react. You'll probably get a bunch of people being like, I can tell you're using Google Translate. (laughs) Yes, that's accurate. Your your grammar (laughs) is really bad, dude. They're like, Um, what are you, 14? (laughs) See. Quick quick plug, um, real quick, on the whole screen before bed um, discussion. You guys heard of Flux? Yes. Yeah. I don't know so if I have strong, heard of Flux. Strongly recommend that if you're going to be doing any computer work or iPad work or anything like that before bed. What it does is it automatically adjusts your screen using, your, um, using GPS. So using your location data, it'll adjust the hue and the brightness of the screen. Um, so that it's easier on your eyes. And actually, it's actually helped me sleep. Um, so like watching, it? yeah, so I have a jailbroken, um, iPad one that I watch, uh, orange is the new black on, obviously it's, uh, my nice. Netflix watching machine. And you know, if I'm watching it in bed before it, it's like an orangish looking color that it's odd at first, but you get, you get past it. And yeah, for some reason, by the end of the episode, I'm like ready to sleep versus that real cool blue, um, intense blue, you know, yeah. of, of like a very bright screen that'll just leave you kind of wired. It'll leave your head. But what? How, so this is the thing I've always thought about flux. So I'm in, I'm, I live in park slope and I have an interior bedroom and I have unfortunately no exterior windows. So there's no sunlight in my room. If flux is doing everything based off of sunlight, how does that interact with like overhead lighting it's, or the fact that there's no other, you know what I mean? Cause there's no, no it's, it's there's no basis. Up. Yeah, well, no, it's, there based is, off, it's based off when the sun rises and sets according to your coordinates. It's not it's not using the actual sunlight from the window. No, but that's what I'm saying. But if you're if it's like if you are in an office and you have fluorescent lighting and it's and it's dimming and lighting your screen based off of time, but you have fluorescent lighting overhead, how does it actually give you the best screen, the best viewable screen, even though you, you're just like chilling in a fluorescent office, even though it's like five o'clock outside? Do you know what I mean? Well, I just recommend it before bed. I don't really oh, yeah. care about no, that during fair. the day. But <laughs> oh, yeah, no, quick it, it's, it is very cool. I do. I haven't used it. I know about it, but I'm just hesitant. I don't like change. I like change, but you know, whatever. you could also just be like me and just not open your computer like within three hours of going to bed. <laughs> That's yes. Yeah, you know, know, I'm I'm trying to get better at that. Actually, like I. Um, well, actually, Apple used to have this thing where you could invert the screen. I don't know if you can still do it anymore, but it would it would knock out all the text in white and give it a black background. So if you were like reading at night, it didn't hurt oh, your eyes. Oh, I remember that. 
It was it was command, option, control, and then the number eight. Let me just try it. Yeah, it doesn't do it anymore. Um, so that's what it used to be on like my old white MacBook. But I don't think they do that anymore, and it sucks. But um, I'm trying to like plug my phone in across the room. That way, when I like lay down, I'm like reading a book or I'm sleeping. And when I wake up, I'm not checking my phone. But yeah. it's, like, it's been a it's slow uphill battle. I I try not to check my phone when I wake up just because nothing good awaits me in the morning. You know, like <laughs> yeah. if you check your phone in the morning, there's nothing. It's not like a happy time to check your phone. That's like when all the bullshit has been piling up for hours and now Correct. you have to deal with it. So it's just yeah. better to not even touch it until you get to the office. Like I might sometimes I'll check just to see like, oh, let me make sure there's no emergencies or something. But I give mm-hmm. myself the like email only and like swipe to archive only, like no answering anything. Just like just make sure that nobody's like having an actual meltdown, which yeah, no one ever is, you know. And as long as they're not having a meltdown, I'm like, OK, cool. I'll go to the office in an hour and then I will actually deal with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you um, when you do actually re- and I'm always curious to hear how uh, people that are just freelancers um, do this, but. Is your email open all day or do you have like particular times of the day that you check it? I tried to do like an open all day or uh, times to check it thing, but it just doesn't work. I just leave it open all day. And sometimes I get really distracted and will like spend the whole day like looking at my inbox, but I really try hard not to do that. Um, and the, the actually the only way that I avoid it is if I can actually find my way into a project that I'm really, you know, into, like, you know, that I can't look away from. So, um, I kind of just accept it in the morning, like just before noon, like any time before noon, I just know that I'm not going to get shit done unless it's like an emergency, unless a client, a client is like, we need this by 1 PM, your time. And then all of a sudden I'm like in panic mode and it's really easy to ignore my email. But otherwise Mm. I spend the whole morning just kind of like going through and organizing stuff and, you know, answering all the interviews that I have been putting off and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, for me, like the way that I've figured it out is to basically turn my Mondays, like almost my full day on Monday and then every day before noon into like administrative time. That is awesome. That makes me feel good. I actually read an article a while back that said no developer or programmer should ever work, should code on a Monday. That should be admin day. And I adhere to that. And then I always find myself fucking around up until 11 o'clock. And yeah. then I, that's when I start getting into the groove. So that makes me feel good that I'm, I mean, I'll just lie and say I'm doing administrative stuff and actually being productive. But I'm Well, I mean, really fucking like around screwing. is also administrative stuff because it's stuff that you would probably be doing anyway, you know, like either, yeah. you're, either you're doing it during administration time and like admitting that you're not being, you know, productive or working on stuff you're supposed to be working on, or you're doing it like during the time that you committed to be being productive, which is worse. You know, I'd rather just like have it be, have like my internet bullshit be mm-hmm. included in administrative time because we, you know, we gotta, we gotta be on the internet. It's a thing. Get it out of the way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, most of our jobs are either fueled by the internet or the internet helps us out in some regard. So I guess you sort of got to feed the beast. Yeah. It's not bad. You know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, after reading the circle, it did, um, you know, I was, you know, I liked the book, but I was a little eye-rolly about some of the stuff. And then, um, but it did, you know, I have to sort of commend Dave because it did make me feel like I spent too much time on the computer. <laughs> I was like, oh, does, okay. Um, I've never read that book, but does it talk, Is I mean, is the plot something around something similar? Or 
you just realize that, wow, this is really refreshing. I shouldn't be on the computer all the time. Well, the plot is like about if a social network like subsumed Google and Facebook and Twitter, like everything, and they became like a monopoly. And then everyone like they basically like took take over the world by like making it almost like illegal to share to not share. Oh shit! Mm. So it's it gets like you know it's pretty intense. But what's interesting, I think, about the way that about the story, and I hope I don't I'm not doing any spoilers for anyone, but like nothing like. Nothing crazy really happens. It just like alludes to the craziness of what's to come, you know, by the end of it. Yeah, it gets you thinking, maybe creating your own crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just kind of like sets it up so that you could see this dystopian future, but without it happening yet, you know. So, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of nice because then it makes it like, it's, it's basically saying like, look at your life now. You could be affecting this future and it's just really funny because one of the other books that I started reading while I was on vacation, which um, I started at the end of it, was um, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius, also by Dave Eggers. And it's one of those books that was always on my like to-read thing, and I started but never finished. Um, so I finally have been reading it for real, like in big chunks of time. And in part of the book, he has this like interview when it's, it's autobiographical, you know, or at least in part autobiographical. And um, he has this interview when he's trying to get on, like, MTV's The Real World and is talking about how, like, why not share everything in your life? It's not yours to have, la, 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 la. So it was really interesting to read those two books, like, kind of close to each other to see, like, what his opinion about sharing and whatnot was before social networks, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was just super – it was really – it was really – I don't know. I want to ask him about it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I had uh, this is irrelevant completely, but growing up, all I wanted to do was be on the real world. I just wanted to be on a season. And oh, it wasn't who, until who I was didn't? in college. Who did? Well, yeah, right. Well, back then it was cool. Um, like they weren't the whole thing wasn't just like let's see how trash we can get them. Let's see who can sleep with who. Um, they actually did cooler stuff, and they had road rules back then too, which was even cooler. Yep. Yeah. Um, Though I wasn't that, that in. I wasn't that into road rules. I know that it's. I know that it's no, like. You know, for I, it was just I, I never had any desire to be on Road Rules, but I super wanted to be on Real World until. I'm with but you I there. like stopped watching the Real World when they went to like Miami or something. So yeah, or Vegas. <laughs> Vegas was crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. When it got, I, I feel like after Hawaii, um, I never even made it that far. I made. I seriously, what? the last season that I watched in its entirety is Real World Miami, which is like so long ago. I don't even. I have to like Wikipedia what year that was. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> I just remember I remember real world Hawaii because I was probably old enough to understand like what alcoholism and like, you know, because these are people that have like real baggage and it's displayed on these shows. So I remember like the hot chick Ruthie like jumped in the pool naked and that was like the first episode. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll do this, whatever. And then there's this dude who called himself Tech Money and it was just like super uh, theatrical. Like it was almost like a real life cartoon, just people doing wild, crazy shit. Yeah. It was pretty fun, but that was uh that was about it. I think in college they real world came and they're like you could do tryouts and I was like I want to have a job after I graduate or at least be vaguely employable so I'll I'll pass. Yeah. So, I think that the last season I watched was actually the Real World Seattle. I'm going to look Oh, that's the one if, with the slap. I'm going to see if there's another one after that possibly, but I don't think that there is. And that was in <laughs> 1998. So, <laughs> 
Wow. How old were you in 1998? So I was ago. 14. I was mm-hmm. I was in I was in fourth grade in 1998. Well, I would I would just started being allowed to watch MTV in like junior high. Like I wasn't allowed to watch it prior to that. So um, I think the Seattle episode. It was like Miami, Boston, and Seattle were the ones that I got to watch. And then the gotcha. the other ones were like kind of in reruns, but kind of not really. Like the San Francisco one. Yeah, I mean, like I remember seeing like some of the episodes from New York and some of the episodes from oh, London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you, you try, remember? I think all of those, all of them are up on like Hulu or Netflix or something now. <laughs> and it's so weird because it's like it's so strange because it's so boring to watch all the really <laughs> old ones because we're so used to this like really intense, crazy drama television that like watching like their like you know it was so innovative. But now watching yeah. it, it just seems like so like a it's boring lame. documentary. It's now, so now there's, there's no hashtag in the corner for you to follow along with. It. It's <laughs> yeah. worthless. And and they go to a real job where they do real things. They don't like get to go work at a fucking ice cream shop with like a, no t-shirts on. And like it's so random now. It's just like the Jersey Shore. I think sort of changed all of that, but that's probably not a bad thing, right? Like it just made TV more mindless and made it easier not to watch. Yeah. If as long as you, as long as you uh, were on the camp that stopped watching and instead of <laughs> in the ones yeah. that like kept watching with abandon, you know, I, I I can't judge because I've watched my share of like really shitty reality television. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's one of those things. I actually really like to watch TV while I work. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because it it actually keeps me away from my inbox, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> I've talked to I've I've talked to friends about this before because. They're like, I don't understand how you watch TV when you work. Aren't you so distracted? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, actually, having one giant distraction is so much better than having like a ton of tiny distractions. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is that if I, if I can like have the TV on um, while I'm working, I won't be checking Twitter. I won't be checking Facebook. I won't be checking my inbox because I have this one big distraction that's keeping all the other distractions at bay. You know what no, I mean? No, that's fair. Yeah. What, um, it's, 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 I, I can agree with that, I think. Yeah. And it's not like I'm ever watching things that you actually are really, you really have to watch. You yeah. know, like, I, and I only can watch things, um, I can only watch TV when I'm working, when I'm doing a lot of like production y work. Um, mm. So never when I'm like doing sketching and concepting, but when I'm working on like, you know, if I'm working on a typeface or something like that, there's a lot of like decisions and designing that is happening while you're working on it. But, uh, it's like also just like a lot of production, a lot of just like pushing a point here, pushing a point there. You know, <laughs> you don't have to be like at the most, uh, you know, you don't right? have to be and, super involved in it. Yeah, yeah you don't. You you, you're like you're super involved, but it's not like a it's not like super heavy brain work. You're just like, does that yeah. look better? Does that not look better? Does that look better? Does that not look better? You know, it comes more of what, a feeling um, too at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what like crappy shows do you watch? Um, if any, well, some people watch all good shows, not a crappy show, but I, I mean a good show, but I have been also marathoning orange is the new black. Um, That's because not, I, I love that show. Cause you know, that, that show is one of those shows that, um, I can kind of look away, like I, I can listen to it a lot and then just kind of look over from every now and then. And it's still, it's really good. Like the writing is mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, you, well, you always know they're going to be at the prison. They're not going anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not a big settings change or, you know, you no. kind of know what's going on when you hear it, you know. Yep. Um, what, uh, how, how far are you in the second season? I think I'm at episode six. Okay. So I'm at episode 
four. And there's been a lot more nudity in this season than there has in last. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's like a shift in the show. There's like way more sex for sure. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I don't know. I'm concerned. I I, I really like the show, but I hope it doesn't fall into like the HBO sort of situation where they only do like two or three seasons. Although I don't know, like it's based off a real true story. So like. I don't think, you know, I don't think it matters. I mean, Netflix is the one that is like backing the whole thing and they're just doing it as a way to like drive new membership to them. So it's kind of like, you know, as long as people are watching, that's all that matters. Yeah, I guess that's true. And since it's Netflix, they're never going to have contract issues. It's always going to be up. So even if they do four, it's not going anywhere. So I guess that's not that bad either. But no, I I love that show. The one other show, if you've never seen it, um, have you ever seen Naked and Afraid on Discovery Channel? I have not. Mm-hmm. Check that shit out. It is intense. So it's basically um, a man and a woman. They're complete strangers. They don't know each other. Um, they have been given a survival rating pre-show, and they meet each other on a random desolate place. So whether it's in the Amazon or the Maldives Island or just wherever, some place that's not inhabited by regular people, and then they strip naked. They're giving they're given one item each, and they have to survive at this place for twenty one days. There's no support. They don't give them food. They don't give them shelter. They got to figure it all out themselves, and they're naked the whole time. The thing is, though, this sounds like a very this sounds like a very visual show. So it would not work for like the work the work alongside. You know. Yes, that is that is true. If you happen to watch television any other time, um, or like if you're just like doing like a complete like just brain mush for a Saturday, it's a cool show to check out. It's crazy because what ends up. I mean, it's not in my opinion. It's not out of the ordinary but what ends up happening is um the guys who are all buff and tough in the beginning are the ones that always like quit first or they break down or they do something stupid and like drink dirty water um but it's a pretty cool show yeah basically what you're saying is girls are way harder than dudes everybody knows that yeah and they're smarter (laughs) um yeah they are smarter but um you know we've uh we've been chatting for like 45 minutes which has been fun this is definitely a different format and i like it a lot it's been a really good time um, and I think we got a few tidbits about like some, you know, interesting things about how you work. We do have one, uh, question that we ask everybody before we go. And that is a secret fun time question. Yeah. Awesome. You can't get away. Can't get away without that one. Yeah. You're never going to get away from that one. I am trying to think of one that would suit you, but also be somewhat entertaining and interesting. Hmm. Nick, do you have anything on your mind? Um, uh, no, I I guess was prepared for you to handle today's. Mm, you wanted me to take it. Okay, I have one. This is like a random one. Someone asked me a while back, and it may sound really weird, but there is a werewolf coming at you, and you have a silver baby. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> yeah. And and, um, and feel free. Well, like, I'm going to say that if I have a silver baby, the baby is like an inert object. You know, like there's no like l- way that you could be both silver and alive, in which case I throw the baby at the werewolf, but I have to throw it with like some pretty extreme like – You, you got a Hadouken. Horse. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think instead of throwing it, maybe what I do is try to like shove it down its throat, shove the baby down the werewolf's throat. Because That's, I feel like I in terms of works. like silver bullet piercing a werewolf, like I don't know what constitutes piercing, but I'm assuming that you just like get on the inside of the werewolf and that counts as piercing. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking, honestly, I would do the same thing. It sounds really bad, but if the baby were alive, I would probably do the same thing. Because otherwise, we're both just going to get eaten and become like werewolves ourselves. Or you could be like, uh, oh, I have like magic sneakers that make me 10 times faster than all people and I run away with my silver baby. You know, like mm-hmm. if it was a real baby, I would just assume I had like some sort of magic making silver babies. I want to know yeah, where you got the silver true. baby, but whatever. That's well, if I maybe discussion. if I produced the silver baby, like if I was the maker of the silver baby – then we can say that I have like some silver making potential in general, you know, and then I could now like could fabricate a silver thing. Just you could just add, spit just silver bullets. Yeah, now exactly. we're adding layers. I like it. That could work. I I think that's an acceptable answer. Um, no, that was you know I've been Nick. I've been hesitant to ask that one because like I don't want people to be like, oh, I wouldn't hurt a baby because it's like just fun. Um, no, but the, I think the, that was a yeah, perfect was, answer. It was good. <laughs> it, was, it was enjoyable. It was a great conversation. And as Patrick said, it was a. Uh, you know, a departure from what we typically do, but I think we can, uh, you know, label it li- limited edition or special edition because it was. It was just a great chat with you, and we really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm sorry I made you guys deviate from the regular stuff, but don't be. I, uh, I feel like you know, there's so many podcasts out there that are like, "What's your inspiration? What's whatever?" And I really like, you know, this was a fun chat. I feel like we covered, we actually covered a lot of shit. Definitely, you know? yeah. You know, uh, what I found interesting with this is that it wasn't like, so Jessica, tell us about your childhood. It was more like. Hey, so there was like some crazy SVU reenactments from my area, and yeah, I grew up there. But you know, it was uh, a little bit more subtle. It was more involved. But you know, I, that there to me is more tangible, tangible takeaways here. Yeah, tangible there is takeaways. Like, Don't watch the early Real World episodes on uh, now because it's weird. Yeah. Don't well, read vampire have, books. Read read good ones. Yeah. You take well, take vacation. Vacation books. is helpful and makes Very. you gives you perspective and lets you get excited about work again. Uh, go to one day conferences that are single track because they're great. Um, mm-hmm. Italian wood types amazing. I don't know. We covered a bunch yeah. of stuff. And now we have at, at the bare minimum two book recommendations for people to check. Actually, three. Sorry. You oh, and then three. and then the other the other book that I had finished was. Um, was it, it's interesting because the thing that is like the main thing in the book happened in the last two weeks in real life. So um, the book So the is, book was Inception? <laughs> the book is uh, A Working Theory of Love. And it involves um, a guy who ends up working at this weird startup um, that is trying to make an artificially intelligent machine based on his father's journals. And like at the end of the book, they have to go to like – try to pass the Turing test. And then the Turing test just got passed like oh, this shit. week. So it's crazy. So I just finished that book and then they did that. And I was like, what? I That's know <laughs> amazing. And like That's a really cool. sweet thing to end on. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. We got to read um, that. Jessica, I'm sure most listeners know how to find you online. Um, but is there any other, anything you want to plug? Um, I know you just did two talks. Any uh, any talks you're doing coming up? Any projects you want people to be aware of? Anything? It's, it's all it's all you. I think I am working on a book right now, but it's not going to be out in forever. So it's only if you guys wait. Can you're this. you're you're drafting a book. You're you're penning. I am. I'm, a book. I'm penning a book, and I'm really bad at sitting down and writing it because the process of writing is not the easiest for me. I it's it's a little bit painful. <laughs> oh, um, totally. Is well, it too I, much to ask the topic of said book? It is on my process, which is not a painful thing to write about. It's very uh, straightforward once I can sit down and actually get get it out there. But I'm trying to keep true to form and make it entertaining and um, not just like a dry instructional 
thing. So it's mostly an excuse to show off um, a lot of my sketches because I do these like really tight sketches for clients um, that end up getting turned into real art or sometimes don't. And usually people don't get to see them. And then when they come to my studio and they do, they're like, what? Because I'm a weirdo and I do like like relatively tight sketches. Not like as tight as some of these old school type design dudes that basically make like final art that you could just live trace and it's done. But um, but yeah, so it's going to be like a lot of sketch to finish, a lot about how I work, tools that I use, places I like to sketch, all kinds of stuff. Oh, that sounds really fun. That'll be... Yeah. Um, that'll be exciting when it comes out. I'm sure I'll get it. Yeah. It'll be, my final, all of it is due in December. So it's still a while away. Like my write, my oh, cool. writing is due very soon. Um, but all the design and everything isn't due until December. So it'll probably be in the spring when it's out. Are cool. you, are you going to do all the design and stuff for that too? I was trying not to. Um, but I, I tried to hire, um, a really great designer to do it, but he's too busy. So now I have to. I get to choose whether or not I want to keep asking other people, or if I want to do it myself. I, you know, I was excited to do it myself, but then it's just been so long since I've been like a regular like graphic designer. You know, like I have been doing like asset creation, like basically like doing lettering and typefaces and illustration for like the past five years, and um, it's been a long while since I've had to really think like a grid using designer and stuff like that. And I didn't necessarily want to start on a project that's as high pressure as like my own first book, <laughs> but might end up doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, at least at the end of the day, um, it'll be what you want it to be. And then if, you know, if it's not, you're at least mad at yourself. It's not like you're going to lose friends over it, you know? That's true. That is Cover true. to cover. Yeah, it'd be all you. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica's all over this shit. All over all right. it. <laughs> all right, Jess. Jess, Jessica, sorry way. for the shortening. Yeah, you're good with that. Um, Just don't call me Jesse. That's the only one. Oh, that won't okay. happen. No, it, um, yeah, you're like, now we're going to post that on when we post a thing. <laughs> Jesse Hish from small town Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the start. This was fun. Yeah, this was totally fun. It was great talking to you guys. Yeah, Same. you too. Take care. Awesome. You too.